We're in a new series, started last week, called Waking Up, Becoming Fully Human. What does it mean to be our true and full selves? Well, we're answering that question by studying the early life and uh, teachings of Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verses 7, and it includes, most of our series is going to be covering the Sermon on the Mount, but the first few sermons in the series is covering Jesus' early life. So today we're asking the question of identity. How do we discover uh, our true selves? You can turn to Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. This is the account of Jesus' baptism. So um, about 30 yards from my childhood home in northeast Ohio was a pond. The pond was um, probably about the width of this hardwood floor here, and maybe about the length, too, if you opened up the cave, uh, maybe a little bit longer. And um, the pond held lots of fish. Our family wasn't really into fishing, so we sort of left it alone in the summers. But when it got cold, uh, and it did in northeast Ohio, just like it does here, when it got cold, my sisters and I would, um, would kind of go out there and, and look and see if the, the pond was ready. And then at some point, we would say, hey, Dad, can you go test the pond? Can you test the pond? And what testing the pond meant was that my dad would, would come up to the, to the edge of the pond, and he would kind of do this, you know? And uh, is it ready for my kids to ice skate on it yet? Is it ready for broom hockey? Is it ready for all the antics that will come with children on ice, or kids, teenagers on ice? And... Um, and uh, so if, it, uh, if, he, if he stepped on it and started to creak, you know, the pond wasn't ready. If he stepped on it and there was like some marshy bits, like, it wasn't ready. But he stepped on it and it was solid, nice and solid. He could kick the snow and there's no creaking. If he could kind of do this. And it just held the weight of his existence uh, and, uh, and didn't crack, didn't bend just was, then the ice was ready. And then once the ice was ready, once it was secure enough, once it was solid enough, we went out there and we had the time of our life. Personal identity is our sense of self, our sense of worth, and it can be a lot like the ice. It can be thin and brittle and easily threatened, bending under the weight of other people, enmeshed or totally disconnected from other people, or it can be solid, secure, able to withstand a calling, able to withstand heavy interactions with people with different ideas than we have. Personal identity can be like the ice. It can be insecure or it can be secure. Do you know who you really are? And how secure is that ice? I think all of us, if you were to spend time with any one of us, you would find cracks in the ice. All of us have cracks. All of us has the marshy bits, right? So what does it take for that part of our life that has cracks, that has insecurities, that has weaknesses, that isn't strong, the non-strong parts of who we are, how do those Parts of our life become stronger. How do we know who we really are and how do we truly live in who we really are? There's a lot of pressure right now, culturally, for you to know who you really are. And you know what the advice is? Be yourself. Right? Just be yourself. 
Do you know what terrible advice that is? That's like telling the ice, freeze thyself. That doesn't work. Are you kidding me? No, but there's a true self under there, and all you have to do is look inside it and look at your deepest intuitions and your deepest feelings and your deepest desires and affirm that and stop hating yourself. Then you'll know who you really are. Do you know what crap advice that is? It does not work. Ice cannot freeze itself, and people cannot bless themselves. So how do we become who we really are? This is why I love this text. This is why I love Jesus. This is why I look to him as my savior and my model for living. Because he received his true self. And it's such a relief to receive a self rather than self-generated. It is so much better to receive who we really are rather than to somehow generate who we really are to create, to invent who we really are. Do you want the pressure of having to invent yourself? Do you want the, 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 the absolute crushing burden, the pressurizing burden of proving who you are to yourself and everybody else? Do you know what that's gonna do to you? It's gonna leave you very brittle. It's going to mean that success is gonna go to your head and failure is gonna go to your heart. There's going to be more cracks, not less. So let's turn to Jesus Christ who had an inspiringly secure identity that could withstand the weight of the world on his shoulders. And we're gonna uh, reflect on the source and the level of security that Jesus Christ had, the quality of his personhood. And the good news is that it, that is available to you, that's available to me. That level of thickness, that level of security, that level of personhood, able to withstand the weight of the world is available to you. And so we're going to explore how do we get it? How do we move from this pressurized, self-generating identity to identity that we can receive an easy yoke? The first point that we're going to reflect on is that Jesus' identity was secure enough to be separate. Jesus' identity was secure enough to be separate. To be separate means that we have our own thoughts, feelings, emotions, and commitments. We can communicate our needs and ideas, even if that means other people disapprove. Even if it means that we, ex we experience profound pressure as a result. This doesn't mean that we become distant. Separate does not mean disconnected from ourselves or others does not mean shut down. It does not mean disengaged. Quite the contrary. It means that we can actually show up to a relationship. Have you ever wished that you could kind of show up to a relationship with more of yourself than, than, than you had? You're like, why didn't I just say what I was thinking? Well, you didn't say what you were thinking because you were afraid of disapproval. Don't you want more strength to show up to relationships? This is what Jesus had in his own life. Uh, look with me at verse 13 of Matthew 3. Matthew 3.13 uh, gives us a, a, a short but very important detail to Jesus' life. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Jesus came from Galilee, his home region, okay, his version of um, Northeast Ohio, to, to the Jordan 
uh, to John to be baptized by him. So um, Jesus is 30 years old at this point in his life. He spent most of his life in Nazareth, a real small town in uh, a rural area of, of Palestine, known, known as Galilee. And um, he is about to start his ministry. So he travels about 70 miles from Nazareth to where John was in the Jordan River, and he's saying, all right, John, please baptize me. Here's what Jesus has left. Jesus has left um, his mother and his father. So he's no longer under their domain. He's no longer under the house of Joseph anymore. He still honors the house of Joseph. He still honors his mother and father. Um, And he'll go back and do ministry. He'll stay connected uh, to to Nazareth and to Galilee. Um, But he is leaving their domain. He's leaving his trade. His trade was probably carpentry or some kind of uh, you know, trade where he was working with his hands. He's left that. He's not going to do that anymore. He's, he's going to be separate from that now. He's entering a new phase of his life. Um, uh, this wasn't the first time that he would leave. When he was 12 years old, he broke away from, the, from the, his, his tribe. His family was, was traveling on a pilgrimage, and he broke away from them, and he started teaching in the temple when he was 12 years old. His mom was really upset, and he's like, Mom, Dad, come on. Didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? All right? And, and so uh, there was some tension there. But it was prefiguring what he would ultimately do. He would ultimately be showing his true loyalty to his heavenly father. Jesus was, in a healthy way, separate from uh, his family of origin and his village of origin. He would practice this later in his ministry. Jesus was teaching some disciples, we read this in the biography recorded in Luke, and his mother and his brothers and sisters come knocking at the door and they send an emissary and they're like, get Jesus out here, we're here to see him. And so they kind of play the, um, the mom trump card of like, mom's here and doesn't matter what you're doing, you're coming out here and we're gonna, we're gonna have a family conference, okay, family meeting. And so um, how does Jesus respond? And Jesus, who loved his mom, honored his mom, he said, who, are my, who is my mother and my sisters and my brothers? And he pointed to everybody that he was teaching. He's like, the, all of the people who do the will of my father, actually, are my mother and my sisters and my brothers. It didn't mean that he was rejecting his mom, but it means that he had a healthy boundary with his family of origin. And he was willing to exercise that boundary. He was willing to put up the wall in just the right way so that he's not overly connected, he's not overly disconnected. Jesus was secure enough to do that. He was secure enough to be separate. We'll talk about where that security came from in a moment. The point is that Jesus wasn't controlled by, nor was he reacting to his parents. He wasn't controlled by, nor reacting to his hometown. When he went back to his hometown of Nazareth, uh, he was rejected. Can a prophet, you know, basically prophets are rejected in their hometown. Jesus was not reacting to nor controlled by people's responses to him. How much do you react to people, whether they're living or dead? How much do you react to your parents' way of life? If you're reacting and going the other direction, they're still controlling you. That's a part of your identity that needs to be secured by the Father's love. Jesus was secure enough to be separate. This is a key part of Christian discipleship, coming to terms with the formation that we've received 
and looking to the Father and saying, Father, what do you want for my life? How can you help me honor my parents and yet be separate from them at the same time? This is part of waking up. This is part of growing up, to reflect on how we've been formed and to grow up into full Christian discipleship. This is what uh, another author calls being emotionally healthy. Being emotionally healthy. How emotionally healthy are you in relationship to the people who have had the most influence over your life? Are there other people besides your parents that have an oversized influence on your choices and on your emotions? Are there people that you're reacting to? Are there people that you're shadow boxing with? Are there people that their approval means everything to you, and so you're bending yourself into the shape of a pretzel just to get it? Who steps on your ice and makes you crack? Are you secure enough to be separate from their responses? Are you secure enough to respond out of love to their reactions to you rather than react out of um, overlearned emotional patterns, overlearned relational patterns? Are you free enough to love rather than react? Are you secure enough to be separate? Jesus was, and this gave him freedom to go to the cross. This gave him freedom to love you and I. This gave him freedom to be resurrected, to send his spirit. Where did that freedom come from? We'll talk about that in a minute. For now, we'll say Jesus' identity was secure enough to be separate. It was also secure enough to be submitted It was secure enough to be submitted, not just separate. Let's say this. Secure people are free to be humble. Do you have that freedom? That's what submitted means. Are you free to be humble? Okay, so the more thick your personal identity ice is, the more free you will be to learn from other people. The more free you will be to sacrifice for other people. The more free you will be to hang out with people who are on lower on the uh, rung of social status than you are. You can kind of give your status away. You can let your personal brand experience uh, some dilution from the people that you're hanging out with. Do you have that freedom? Are you secure enough to hang out with people that other people are embarrassed by? Are you secure, secure enough to learn from people who don't quite understand you? So uh, here's a test. How do you respond when you receive personal feedback that you don't like? Just what's the emotional response? This is the test for how thick the ice is. How do you respond to unfair criticism from an unqualified person? That's that's an ice test. How thick is the ice of your personal security and identity? What jobs are you too good to take on? Are there jobs that you are overqualified to do in your life, at home? I don't do dishes. Oh, I don't get my hands dirty. And what people are you too good to hang out with or help? So that's a test for our ice. And all of us, it would reveal cracks in every single one of us. What about Jesus's ice? Let's read verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 3. Okay, so Jesus has come to John for baptism, and John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Wait, 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 Jesus. No, 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 you're the one who's mightier than I, verse 12, who's coming with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. You're mightier than I. I need to be baptized by you. 
Why are you coming to be baptized by me? Verse 15, Jesus answered him, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, consented. So what's happening here? Don't miss it. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is submitting to one of his creatures, and John the Baptist is struggling mightily with it. He's like, wait, wait, wait. You are so much higher on on the status rung than I am. Why are you coming to receive something from me? I need to receive something from you. And he did. John, in many ways, John was right. But Jesus needed to submit to this baptism because apparently it is what the Father wanted. The headline over Jesus' life was, I only see what my Father doing. He has submitted to his Father's will freely, fully. And he is submitting to his Father's will by going under the baptism of John. What's happening in the baptism of John? Well, um, uh, Jesus is submitting to his humble calling. Jesus has a calling to be a friend of sinners. And here John is in the Jordan River. He's baptizing sinner after sinner who's repenting. Just people who are trying to get right with God. We talked about this last week. People who are confessing sins of extortion. People who are confessing every single one of the Ten Commandments. Confessing stealing, adultery, profaning God's name, envy, everything corrupting the human soul. They're they're getting baptized by John in the Jordan River, wanting to be spiritually clean. And Jesus is stepping into the water and he's like, you know what? This is what the Father's asked me to do. The Father has sent me to be a friend of sinners. And I'm here to be a friend of sinners. I'm gonna stand with you in the water's of the Jordan. And I'm going to be baptized by John. On the one hand, the Father is going to be crowning me, uh, you know, King of Kings. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm identifying with you here. And I'm coming under this baptism not because I have any sins, but because I've come to die for your sins. And so John baptizes Jesus, and Jesus prefigures his death by going under the watery grave, as it were, of the Jordan River. Because that's what he's going to do for all these sinners that are surrounding him and all, all of the sinners here in the Kiva this morning. And then he's going to rise up, prefiguring his resurrection. And then the Spirit's going to come down, in many ways prefiguring Jesus' sending of the Spirit at Pentecost. This is Jesus' ministry. This is his conscript, conscripted calling. He couldn't be everything, but he could be this. He could be the friend of sinners who identified himself with people who needed forgiveness who needed grace, who needed a savior. And Jesus was willing to submit himself to that calling. Notice he's not going to be, uh, this, this coronation is not happening in Jerusalem. It's not happening in Rome. It's happening in the Jordan River with a bunch of sinners. That's Jesus' calling. That's the calling his father put on him. That's the limits of his life, and he is submitting himself to it. He's secure enough. He's secure enough to let this be the moment where he is set apart for ministry. Our culture tells us, you know what? You'll you'll know your identity is secure when you can break all of the limits of society. When you can look inside yourself and see the deepest intuitions 
that people aren't gonna like, but then you're true to that, you're true to those intuitions, even though some of them are contradictory. You choose which ones are truly you, and, and you express that to everybody. But the gospel tells us this, your identity, you know your identity is secure when you, when you can lay down your life. You know your identity is secure when you can lay down your money for people with less status than you. You know your identity is secure when you can lay down your time for people who have less status than you. You know you have a self when you can lay down your energy and your calendar and your love and your dinner table for people with less status than you. That's what the gospel says. And how in the world do we get that? How in the world do we have an identity so secure that we can actually say no to some of our deepest feelings, say no to some of our deepest intuitions, say no to some of our deepest feelings, and say yes to a life of loving, beautiful, outpouring of life sacrifice, where we are both separate from but submitted to our calling. We're separate from the opinions of others, but we still stay connected in a way that allows us to love. Where does all that security come from? And again, we come back to the original question, how does ice thicken itself? It can't thicken itself. How do identities get stronger? Not from self-generated blessing. Where does all this come from? Jesus shows us. The Father shows us. Point three, Jesus' identity was secured in his Father's love. Jesus' identity was secured in his Father's love. That's what gave him the security to be separate from people's disapproval. That's what gave him the security uh, to, to be submitted to his calling to be a friend of sinners. It was his father's love. He was submerged in it. He was surrounded by it. How does, an ice, how does, a, how does a pond thicken up? <laughs> it must be absolutely submerged in powerfully cold conditions. How does an identity become secure? It must be absolutely submerged in powerfully loving conditions. We need to be known fully to be secure. We need to be known and loved and not pushed aside and rejected. Our strengths, our weaknesses, our sins, our overlearned junk that we carry from our childhood. And we need to be known and loved unconditionally before we do anything to earn any kind of love. Before Jesus had done anything for the Father, before he had started his ministry, before he had called anybody to follow him, Jesus was submerged in his Father's love. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't suffered for anybody. He hadn't rose again or proven himself in any way, shape, or form. The Father gave him a great gift, which was his true self. Verse 16, let's read. Verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, immediately, behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven, this is the Father's voice, said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my Son. I love him, and I'm proud of him. 
Everyone needs to hear that from their earthly father. It's a healing thing to hear that from your earthly father. All of us need healing for the ways we didn't hear that from our earthly father. Let's consider the depth of the personal security that Jesus is being given. Jesus is being given the security of God's kingdom. The heavens were open to him. This is the domain where the father reigns. The father is saying, this is your true home. Even though you're on earth doing ministry, this is where you can always come back for rest, for security, to know who you really are. Do you ever have a place that you can go to to remember who you really are? To remember how loved you are? To remember your true name? To remember your true calling? Where do you go? Jesus could go to his father's house at any time, even though he was like you and me, flesh and blood. Where would he, how would he go there? Well, he would go there in his imagination, quite frankly. He would get away to a desolate place. He would do what any of us need to do to realize our true home in the Father. And he would allow himself to connect with and bond with his Father. He would, he would be able to see in the eyes of his heart that his true home was not healing people. His true home uh, was not being baptized by John. His true home was with the Father. That was where he came from and that where he was going to. And the resources of home were available to him. The resources of where he was sent from are available to him. We could see later on in his life that at different key points in his life, angels came near to Jesus when he was struggling intensely and would minister to him, would minister to him. And here we see also that the spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove and actually landed on him. The, the, the wild goose of the Holy Spirit actually stood in one place, and it was on Jesus. It was the sweet heaviness of the presence of God resting on Jesus, giving him power for ministry. His security came from, it was like a, it was a, it was a connection that goes beyond our, even our understanding. The spirit coming on Jesus, empowering him for ministry. Jesus said in a different, uh, a different part of his life, the spirit of God is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus rested in the gift that he received from the father, which was the spirit. And then, the security of the Father's personal blessing was spoken over Christ. Verse 17, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. That's like the Father uh, putting his arm around Jesus, saying to everyone who would hear and to Jesus, this is my son. I'm proud of him. I love him. I'm with him. I approve of him. This is the same voice that would speak uh, at Jesus's transfiguration when the glory uh, that he inhabited actually was revealed for everyone to see. The father saying, this is my son. Peter's like, hey, let's build three tents here. It would be great. And the father's like, shut up. Listen to my son. He's the one who's talking. He's the one you listen to. So we've all got our cracks. We've all got our thin ice. We've all got our marshy parts of the pond. You know what? All those parts, forget it. Jesus loves you. The Father's love for Jesus is available to you. He poured out his life on the cross to give you that blessing. He was raised on your behalf to give you all the honor and esteem of a resurrected body. He sent his spirit to dignify your life and give you power to fulfill your calling. And that is the love that you need. That's the love that I need for both of us, all of us, 
to become the people of God and to have the thickness of the security of being a daughter in the Lord, the thickness and security of being a son in the Lord. And how do we get that thickness and security? By being submerged in the Father's love. Now, I don't know anyone that this is easy for. Do you know that the most mature Christians I talk to say to me, you know what? I struggle to receive the Father's love sometimes. It's a day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out struggle to rest. They're living the paradox of struggling to rest, struggling to rest in personal identity in Christ. For those cracks and those marshy parts and those personal insecurities and the ways people affect us, we don't want them to affect us. The ways that success goes to our head, we're not trying for it to go to our head, but it does the way that failure goes to our heart. We don't want it to, but it does. All of those parts need to be loved by the Father in Christ as he sends his spirit. And all of that's available to you. All of that is available to you. If you're not a Christian, it's available to you. If you are a Christian, it is available to you. So how do you step into that? Well, if you're not a Christian yet, you turn to Christ and say, I want that. I want your Father's blessing. I want you to take away my sin. I need all of the benefits here that I see that you are receiving. I need to, by grace, receive that. That's the first step. And then you step into the sacrament of baptism where there's a way in which the Lord has given the church a way to minister to people who are coming into the kingdom of God to, uh, to submerge them. Eventually, we'll find a way to do that down here. <laughs> or not, to pour over the waters of baptism so that you can, in a very deep and real way, enter into the blessing that is yours. And that's available to you. We'll do that again on Easter. If you are a Christian, but you're struggling with this, and you want more thickness, you want more security, you want more personhood, I invite you to experience it not just on your own in solitude and silence, while that is very important, but to receive any way that the church can minister this gift to you. Jesus said, I'll build my church, the gates of hell won't stand against it. And he gave his church gifts, people with all kinds of of gifts to minister, but some of the most important gifts that he's given his church are spiritual mothers and fathers that can minister the grace and the blessing of the Father to you that can put their arm around you and say, you know what, I see you. Here's the Father's name for you. I want you to know that you're blessed. I want you to know that you're loved. And you can get messy around me and I'm not gonna push you away. That's what Emmanuel Anglican Church is called to be. We're not there yet. We're there, I mean, we're getting there. Stay in the church. Come and receive the blessing of the Father in the church. Don't come here to perform, even though maybe there's some parts of you that want to. Come here to receive. And then as you begin to overflow by the power of the Spirit, you can be a spiritual mother and you can be a spiritual father in Christ. Did you know that? That's how thick your eyes can be. Can you imagine being a blessing for people that need it? Can you imagine bringing that relief of, oh my goodness, I don't have to prove myself anymore? You can be that source of life to people. You can be that spiritual mother. You can be that spiritual father. Not by forcing it, but by submerging yourself, by allowing yourself to receive the gift of the Father's love ministered through his church. I just wanna normalize the fact that sometimes, in many ways, 
for us to know how much the Father loves us, we need to experience it horizontally. We need to experience it in another person who is an ambassador of Christ's reconciliation, who is an ambassador of the Father's love to us. That is an important ingredient to being whole in Christ. Don't shy away from it. We also need to receive the blessing directly from the Father. We need to learn to be alone, to let all of the anxieties bubble to the surface, to let all the cracks be shown, and for Jesus to look us in the eye through the scriptures and through prayer and say, I love you, I want to forgive you, I wanna fill you with my spirit, I have a name for you, I have a calling for you. Jesus' identity was secure enough to be separate. His identity was secure enough to be submitted, which is a really hard thing in our, in our day, in our culture. How do you do that? How do we get that? We get that security from the Father's love. So if you're struggling, just know that the Father is loving you in the struggle. Let's all this morning receive what he has for us in Christ. This is my beloved son. That's said about you. This is my beloved daughter. That's a word for you this morning. That is how we receive our true self. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.